Okay, for this episode, I've got two words for you. Splish, splash. Yes, that's right. We are on a boat today. We are out on the lake. Me and my very good friend, Braden Keith, he wanted me to join him. I asked him when he wanted to come on. I asked him to come on the show. And, you know, I always say, where's a place that's special to you? Where's a place that you like to frequent? And I didn't even know he had a speedboat. And he said, well... You know, he oftentimes, you know, in this technical world we live in, the digital world, we, you know, we have laptops, we have cell signal everywhere. You can work anywhere. So he's like, well, heck, man, I mean, I I work pretty often out on the boat. So come on, hop on the boat, join me. We'll go out for a a spin on the speedboat out there in Lake Alatoona. We are just north, uh, a little bit northwest of the Atlanta area, for those of you that aren't from Georgia or that area. And, man, I'll tell you, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, absolutely a lot of fun. It's one of those things where it's like, man, if I could wake up every day and just go and work on the lake, I would do it. And luckily, this day, we actually had that opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because I pull up, and I didn't even I didn't expect this at all, but I pull up, and, you know, there's the boat, and I see Braden, and then also his dog, Winston, is there as well. I see his dog, this, I think he's a mini um, a golden doodle, or not a mini, but a golden doodle, and... Had a life vest on, everything, the whole works, and I'm just like, okay, well, I didn't expect that, but we're going to have a third third member on this podcast, so there we go. And uh, it was so funny because he so badly wanted to get into the water. You know, i never seen a dog want to just get into the water, especially a lake, you know, as much as this dog did. But Braden has him trained, and I was very impressed, and he was like, it was amazing, because he was like, nope, Winston, nope, nope, and he, he stayed, and then... As soon as we got to where we were going, he, he was like, you know, Braden, we, we come to our local destination, and Braden says, all right, Winston, you're good. And he just, there you go, right off into the water. So I was very impressed by that. I was also very impressed by just the boat and everything we got into. Our conversation was just so, so fantastic. And Braden is, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for many years, and he's one of the, he's definitely one of the top folks I wanted to have on the podcast. Um, he's a real big tech enthusiast. He's an entrepreneur. He's always got his hands in many buckets and many jars and um so it's very exciting to talk with him and to hear about you know his passions and his what excites him and his you know personal and professional life and um he owns a company in in rome georgia which is where i'm from and he he and i both live he's from from rome as well and the company's name is romega digital and yeah he's just got all sorts of cool stuff in the works now and has you know kind of been interesting to see his career develop over time and you know, some of the things we talk about, obviously, this is a pretty tech-heavy conversation because we are both pretty, you know, we're just tech enthusiasts. That's what we love. And so, you know, his background, he cut his teeth in the web development, web coding world. Um, so that's, we talk heavily about that. We talk a little bit about business ownership throughout, sprinkled uh, sprinkled throughout the conversation. We talk about Bitcoin because that's something that he and I have talked about, um, you know, here and there over the past few years. He's real big into and passionate about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, that kind of thing, and he's done a lot of research, so I always gain something, always walk away with a conversation with Braden with a little bit of, a little bit more knowledge than I had before, and uh, we also dive pretty heavily in the world of AI, artificial intelligence technology. We actually talk quite heavily on that, really. I mean, we talk about, you know, a lot of the misconceptions of it, a lot of the perceptions of it, and what we think the future holds for AI, what he thinks the future holds for AI, and how it's... Um, you know, really not as, in, in many cases, not as, not this big, bad, you know, boogeyman like everybody thinks it is. Um, so we really touch on that, and, you know, who knows what's going to become of it, but we do talk about, 
that, and there's been a lot of conversations he and I both have been having with our friends and family and, you know, colleagues about AI, and we really wanted to touch on that. So without further ado, Braden Keith. All right, my man. So we are here. We're on the lake. We're in your boat, which you've only had a couple of years. What I found out, I didn't even know you had a boat, which is fantastic. So before we get to the setting the scene too deeply, who who is Braden? Who is Braden Keith? Well, that's a complex question, depending on who you ask. Many might say an enigma. An enigma. Um, just don't ask. Don't ask an officer who Braden Keith is. I'll tell you what everyone else would say. Um, there you go. There you go. Well, I'm a, a husband, a father of two little girls. Um, I own a, a digital marketing business and software company. Um, I guess some would call me an entrepreneur. I've got my hands in a lot of stuff and um, take a lot of risks, take a lot of calculated risks. And... Um, yeah, I've been able to experience a lot of life for a young age and try a bunch of different things. So um, that kind of stuff is what's fun for me. And yeah, do real estate and computer stuff, as the layman would say. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, and you know, I wanted to have you on for many, many reasons. I mean, I know you, I've worked with you on a handful of projects over the past few years. And, you know, this show is all about my network and my love of networking and storytelling. Yeah. And everyone, everyone has a story. And most people's stories are worth telling. I would, I would uh, say, <laughs> and I, I, I try to say that, but I think everybody's stories truly is there's a there's an element of everybody's story that's worth telling. But I, um, but for you especially, and me, the people that I've had on the show already, and will have already have uh, scheduled to continue to come on the show, it's just been a blessing to for just days like this, moments like this, which is why I wanted to create the podcast in such a way that's documentary style, that's out of studio, because we're literally. You know, you said it yourself, like, it's amazing to have a you know job where we can we can do this and actually um, benefit professionally being on a boat out in the lake and just having a good time. And you got your dog, Winston. So he when I pulled up, I mean, he was getting out of the out of the vehicle. He was like already ready to go. You could tell he was just itching to get into the water. You had to like beg him not to he is dump, a water dog. Yeah. You had to beg him not to jump into the water before we got to where we were going. But he's actually out swimming right now which is which is nuts but um well if the irs has any questions for me i'm just going to send them this podcast because i mean that justifies yes. it alone right i mean winston your i mean everything everything right now winston the boat the everything the gopro we're taking some we're going to write it all off <laughs> it's <laughs> that 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 you know your your Romega themed um, um, Yeti Yeti yeah. we're gonna write all that off. It's, well, all. it's nice this podcast is sponsored by Yeti. I mean that that really worked in nicely. The, the you know Yeti I've actually been to the Yeti the out in Austin Texas. I've been to the Yeti the original Yeti or like the main office out there with mm -hmm. the main retail store out there because I didn't know it but it started in uh, in in Austin Texas. Oh okay yeah so it's pretty cool. But so. Before we get into the main conversation, my friend, I just wanted to kind of talk about how we met and how, you know, we've, our relationship and, you know, I guess we've really, I've known you since elementary school, then you moved away and yeah. then you moved back and then we kind of got to know each other more in our more adult life. Mm -hmm. But so we, so we met that in, back in grade school, we basically graduated, we didn't graduate together, but we went to school together for a brief period of time. So then you moved away and then moved back yeah. to Rome because you, why'd you move back to Rome? Well, um, my wife is from here, and um, we knew each other from when she and I were in elementary school as well. Her her dad was my basketball coach when I was like in second grade. And so oh, okay. 
our families knew each other and uh, we reconnected in high school. Um, kind of like you and I and the whole group of guys that hung out. I mean, those are some of my first memories of us building a relationship or all yeah. the guys getting together over summer and having a good time. And um, I was also getting connected with my wife at that point. And um, yeah, that relationship blossomed and we were talking about getting engaged, getting married. I moved down back down to Rome from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, no, no turning back. I mean, once you're in Rome, you're here and it's a beautiful little city and we love it. We were last, uh, yesterday we were going on a, um, a trail. I found a new trail um, in Rome and uh, I, I didn't know this was there. I found it because I was um, doing a run at the gym and they, this was a mile run cause it was Murph yesterday was mm -hmm. Memorial day. So it, we were doing Murph and it's a mile run and we, we don't typically do a run that long. And so we're running on this longer, uh, uh, distance. And so it took us down a new path and on that new path was this little jut out of a trail and it was just shaded. It was beautiful. And I was like, man, it's paved. I said, the, my girls would love riding their bikes down this. And so I, I talked to Adlin uh, yesterday afternoon after after the girls had their nap. I'm like, let's go check out that new trail and uh, see what it's all about. And so we rode down it. And this is what I love about Rome. I'm, I'm walking down the trail. I'm like, Adlin, we are we are here by ourselves right now. There is not a soul yeah. on this trail. I, I, I've, I've experienced trails like this in big cities and you are packed in and there are a ton of people walking up and down, but uh, not in Rome. You kind of get the city to yourself with whatever you want to do. And, you know, it dumps right out onto into downtown and we just grabbed dinner at, at Moe's Barbecue right there and, yep. and went about our day. Um, but, you know, that's what I love about Rome and that's why I wouldn't leave. Yeah, Rome, and this is, I know, and this is, the audience is tailored to pretty much anyone in the country, but at the same time, I know a lot of people that have moved here from like California and different cities, different states, and they're trying to get out of these more populated areas. They do some Google searching, you know, Atlanta, it's, you know, busiest airport in the world. So, and we're hour and hour and a half, depending on traffic from the airport. Right. And it's just like, you know, Rome, if you're trying to live in a, you know, you, you want to live in somewhere with that southern charm. You want to live somewhere that still you're able to pretty much get anywhere in the world within a day, you yeah. know, more or less. Rome's a great place. It's a gateway a, to the world. I mean, it's it an really international is. airport and I can get anywhere. And that's what allowed me to move to Rome is I was working for a company representing a, a product that I had to go international for. And so mm -hmm. um, I was flying out every week. But when I got home, what I didn't want to do is have to fight traffic of a big city. I mean, I've lived in big cities yeah, and uh, I just didn't, I, it, it's not for me. That's not the environment I want to raise my family in. I want to do something a little slower. My, my job in life is stressful as it is. Like, I don't want the added benefit of having to deal with a ton of people and figuring out how to, you know, share a city with a bunch of uh, unlike-minded individuals, you know? Um, so I, I love Rome for those reasons. And, you know, when I first moved here, there was a thought um, of will this slow my life down, like my, my trajectory down and would it be a negative? And I felt that for a long time moving to a small city of, um, you know, when I'm in a big city, I'm brushing shoulders with influential people. I'm, uh, I, there's, uh, startup incubators. There's, you know, all kinds of tech enthusiasts. I'm probably one of the techiest people in Rome now, you know, like it's, it, there's not, uh, you know, the scriptures say iron sharpening iron. There's not that additional iron for me to rub up against and sharpen my skills. I was afraid of that. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I did to protect myself in that way was, um, one, working for a company that 
was large enough that I could make connections all over the world and all over the United States and, and then maintain those connections. You're talking about this podcast being about people that you network with. That's so important. I mean, staying connected with people that are doing great stuff so that they know you exist and you know they exist. And when you have a problem, you get to call them and vice versa whenever they have a problem. Um, that has been just one of the critical components to living in a small city, but still thriving on a you know technology um, you know frontier. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I can relate to that to, to a degree because when I was in high school, you know, going into college and even in college, I was like, I didn't think I was going to be able to live in Rome and be, you know, successful doing what I do because you think, well, you got to move to L.A., you got to, you know, live in New York, one of these big cities that are making all these, you know, movies and television series and whatnot. And then, yeah. um, but then, you know, at that time, Georgia was actually blossoming into the, you know, the multi-billion dollar film, movie and television industry sure. that it is now. And uh, so, and then just honestly, and then COVID happened, really. COVID, um, the whole world overnight, or more or less overnight, sort of the culture shifted towards video and people, all these small businesses, medium-sized businesses, even, you know, for, you know, brides, you know, because we do a lot of weddings, like everybody wanted video because they, it became such more, uh, so much more ingrained in the culture. Mm -hmm. And it's like ever since then, and it's just like, and then plus, um, with with zoom and everyone getting more comfortable with remote communication and having more remote relationships just in general i think has helped that like with you and like with me because i i had the same thought when i was like when i move back if i move back to rome when i move back to rome will it slow me down will i be missing opportunities and i sort of shifted it in my mind to think that no it's more of a home base and you can make the world you know you can make the you know invest in getting out there and taking right. road trips and going to conventions and going to, you know, there are ways to, to have a home base in a nice, quaint, somewhat private town, but still be very connected to the 100%, 100%. world, you know, and that's because of um, just technology these days. And I think, well, I think there's been multiple things that have happened in the last few years that um, have us being a little bit of ahead of the curve. I think we're going to see a lot of the workforce transition from wanting to live in these large cities into what I call rural by choice, right? They want to live in a smaller city. They want to have access to amenities that they're not fighting over the entire population to, to get. They want no traffic. They want access to internet. Like all the, all the things that we have, like we have gigabit, like we have, we, yeah. we're connected. We, you know, yeah. And I think more people that are tech friendly are going to be moving to these cities. Um, and here's the reasons why one uh, COVID um, I believe created a comfort level for these organizations to hire um, the the people that want to work remote and to support them working remotely. New tools have been introduced. Everyone understands that. That's shifted the entire workforce. The, the second thing that I think is happening um, is uh, AI has been a huge component to uh, moving people here's what i've heard here's what i heard the other day i thought was really interesting chat gpt has uh, allowed a service to happen that what used to be that used to only be available for the elite and that's personalized education um and i was uh, that that struck a chord with me because that's exactly how i use chat gpt you as a business owner would understand this of how lonely it can be when you don't know how to do something for your business. You don't know who to hire for it. You don't have anyone you can call about it. You know, you are on a lone island to kind of figure this out the hard way and you're either going to solve it 
or it's going to be a pain point for a while and maybe turn into something else, right? Yep. And this happens all the time. It doesn't matter what, what level of your business is. I mean, the largest corporations have these issues, the smallest businesses. But ChatGPT is so small business friendly. The ability for me to go into ChatGPT and ask very basic questions of how could I handle this situation and spell out the situation for them. I now have personalized education and executive coaching yeah. from ChatGPT to help me walk through that. Additionally, things like, um, you know, documenting our processes used to be the most laborious task to do. Uh, but that is the element of scale for small businesses. Yeah. But we've been able to create a workflow where AI documents the process for me. You know, it's that question of like, it takes me 10 minutes to do this thing, or it would take me an hour to document it so that someone else can do it. And I only have to do this once a month, you know, like, but those little 10 minute things start piling up and all of a sudden you're doing a bunch of little busy work because it's just easier than training someone else how to do it. Yeah. Right. So we've written a process internally that allows me to walk through the process once, pass that transcript off to ChatGPT and say, make an SOP about this, make a standard operating procedure that the next person could watch me do it, listen to me do it, and now read this document about how to do it. And that element of scale for my business is going to be huge. Yeah. That's what well, AI allows. Well, and I definitely, there's three major things with you I want to talk about. One of them is AI. I want to talk about uh, just computers in general and just web development. Cause I know that it's a, such, I mean, you cut your teeth web designing or web developing, right? Yeah. You know, built, I know early, at an early age, you built your own custom, you built computers and you were really years and years ahead of people, especially for your age in the, this computer science space. Sure. Um, so I want to talk about that. And then I, do you, do you, are you able or want to talk about Bitcoin at all? Sure. Cause those are the three things for you specifically that when I think of you, I think of the things that like the, probably the most interesting things that I would love to hear. And I'm sure other people would like to hear too. Cause, but let's first talk, since we're already talking about that, let's talk about AI a little bit. And like with chat GPT, like I can totally relate to it too, because like this podcast is a perfect example of how I use, I use chat GPT for this podcast to help me frame conversations. Like, Hey, what's trending? I'm, I'm bringing on somebody who's like a CEO of a bank or bringing on someone who is a, you know, recent medical graduate. I can go and say, Hey, what are some trending conversation topics? in this person's world sure and it will list off i can say i can say give me 20 things give me five things give me 10 things and it does it and it helps me just because i'm a full-time this is not my full i mean this is just a side thing i do with my business because i enjoy it and it helps you know grow my network and just gets a lot of gets people's stories out there but this isn't something i have you know 10 hours a week to do Right. You know, and ChatGPT has helped me because I can just, again, it can help me come up with content or talk conversation topic ideas. And also I can just um, write descriptions like I'll just say, hey, write me a podcast description about this. I met with this person. We talked about these things and it gives it to me. So I don't have to have a writer to do all these things. Because when you think about podcasts, you have album art, which I generated with artificial intelligence. Um, for this podcast with a little bit of also some Photoshop expertise. Um, you know, the, the all the write-ups, all the copy, all the descriptions came from ChatGPT with, with, with also my influence as well. Yeah. Because it doesn't get you 100% of the way. Right. You, you know, it, you still need to understand, you know, this stuff and how it works to where you can polish it and make it your own. But Steve Jobs said that the computer is the bicycle. I've said this before on a podcast, but Steve Jobs said the computer was the bicycle for the mind. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think... 
internet, this is just me talking, I think the internet was kind of a race car for the mind, and now we have AI, and it's like a rocket ship sure. for the mind. Yeah. But in all these scenarios, you still need your mind. You still need that human element driving the ship. Otherwise, it all just becomes soulless, and there's no charm, there's no humanity to it. Yeah. Um, so it just it, it just allows smaller entities to produce at a level that has never been done before and was, on, like you said, only reserved for the elite who could afford to have, you know, a writing staff, could afford to have a graphic designer to make a podcast, podcast artwork. Um, and, you know, and that's all because of chat GPT, AI. I'm using artificial intelligence technology from in the audio space to take this audio and through also additional uh, audio engineering on my part, but largely artificial intelligence creates this studio-like experience out in the middle of nature on a lake. So, and I've said this in the first episode, like before that existed, I could not achieve what I was trying to achieve with the technology that existed. Just super casual, out in the middle of nowhere, but still sound, but very enjoyable listening experience. That was, and and with AI, it's hit all those marks. So what are the things about AI like, I guess when you're having conversations, like I know with like the older generation, you know, our grandparents, even our parents, um, what are some conversations you're having? Because I know this freaks out, even people our own age, it's freaking out a lot of people. Yeah, I hear the the biggest complaint or fear is um, it cannibalizing jobs. Um, and I just don't see that as a reality at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I could definitely see us getting to that point. Uh, but to your point about if you just allow chat gpt or ai to run wild on its own it's soulless content that doesn't really hit the mark um, i believe that this is really a tool uh, for people that already have a skill set that want to augment that and what i mean by that is uh, i am my initial trade is uh, web development like you mentioned like software development deep back-end systems um, as like senior software architect um, if I was to go out and get a job right well there are just so there's so much code that if I was writing a project I would have to um, create that we would just call boilerplate code right every project has some of this in it it's going to be tweaked a little bit for this project and what happens is you 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 basically take the list of requirements and break it down so that you know a a junior or mid-level engineer software engineer would be able to decipher what you're asking for and create that code well that's human hours to write the thing that's human hours to you know create the the basic low-level code one of the best things chat gpt does is program and uh, if you are not a programmer and you're trying to use ChatGPT for programming, it's complete trash, right? The output from ChatGPT, a little bit off. I always have to go in there and tweak it a little bit, but I treat it as a junior developer. I mean, that's no different than me hiring a junior developer to do some of this code. The, the output's almost correct. Hey, you did a great job. I'm just going to do the last 5% to clean you know, up some of these variables and move some code around and make sure it fits into the, the larger element of the the project you know you're basically training it right yeah um and so it it acts really uh like a tool for a senior architect to have a junior developer so i think a lot of these creatives and i would consider developers creative you have to have a creative mind to solve these types of problems 100 percent are using it as a tool to enable them to solve problems better Um, i think a lot of programmers uh there's this uh, complex that you, you're you not a good programmer. Like every programmer feels that, right? Like, oh, I'm an imposter, it's an imposter syndrome. 
Um, and you realize if you ever shadow a senior programmer, you know, at your company, someone that was called a senior programmer, how much of their day is spent on Google to try to figure out how other people have solved this stuff in the past. And, and it may not be that they can't just come up with the solution themselves. They may have a solution in mind, but a lot of it's research about, is this the best solution and understanding that better. Um, and so ChatGPT becomes this thing where you can just put in the requirements and it's one of the best architects of that problem that exists. So it becomes a tool for these guys and gals who uh, can move away from Google and having to uh, read through tons of lines of code from different people that may or may not be correct and the technology may or may not have changed since then and uh, becomes a tool where it just outputs it, right? And so this ends up being a tool in the tool set versus replacing someone entirely. You as a non-programmer or whoever, as a non-programmer, business owner, just wanting to create a product out of thin air using AI, it doesn't work like that yet. Yeah. That may come, but it's just not there yet. Yeah. And I know like even with the, the newer iteration, I think it's ChatGPT4, where you can just draw a website on a napkin. I've heard, I've not done the exact research, but I know I've heard people that can just draw, like sketch out what they want their website to look like on a piece of paper and then it can it, scaffold it. It can scaffold it, write code. That yeah, kind and of see, that's the low-level stuff that we don't need to hire people for. I yeah. mean, it's just so basic to it's, do that kind of stuff that yeah. no one's going to create a career off just being the guy that can scaffold, Yeah, right? They're going to create a career off of making it look beautiful once all those you know block elements are there and making them kind of all talk together, right? Yes. That's a career. Yes. It's not creating that initial, here's my napkin drawing to uh, a, a basic scaffold website. That's just yes. no need for that. Well, and it's not only that, but this is my putting my marketing hat on now. So not only are you just... Yes, you have, you know, you can draw something out and make it look a certain way. But when, when you hire a professional, you start to, they, they get involved in the full conversation of brand identity, you know, what you're trying to achieve, you know, and what do you want the customer experience to be like, the, the buyer's journey from, you know, I've never heard of this company before to all of a sudden I'm buying a, you know, $2,500 such and such. Right. So, and that's what the AI is not doing. It's, you know, it, again, it's just, you still need these people that understand and can see the nuance, this sort of infinite nuance that is brand identity, consumer identity, customer identity, trends. Well, being that's able where to you get the future. Really define, like, define markets of where this works, right? Any agency, marketing agency, like what, what I own or Mega Digital, um, they're going to start specializing in these projects that need to consider the entire scope of who that company is holistically, right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many customers that come to us that are trying to get their idea off the ground. It is capital intensive to try to engage an agency to do that for you, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much that you as a, a idea person that wants to get their idea off the ground need to go figure out on your own before you can pay an agency to step in and bring it to the next level. And for a long time, that market was just underserved, right? And so you'd end up with agencies that are really difficult to work with because they would disappear in the middle of the night, or it's just someone doing it out of their dorm room, or you'd have to have a nephew that really knew computers well and you could you could utilize them to create your website and such because you can't go to an agency for this you can't afford to yeah right and how many people come to us with their idea way too early in the process yeah and it hurts because we want to help everyone but man we just can't like you yeah. can't afford it we can't afford to lose money on it 
Not in 2023, especially, man. It ain't happening. No. And so the ability for them to have these tools that can, like Squarespace, you know, bring basic tool sets together, whether it's AI or otherwise, to help them build this out. And you don't need a copywriter. Just ask ChatGPT, which are, you know, this is my concept. I need some homepage copy for Yeah. Me. What do you recommend? Allow it to spit it out. And then you come in and, you know, update it and tweak it a little bit to work for your brand voice or whatever. Um, you know, you're not hiring an agency to have to think through these things. You can do it yourself. It's not as laborious as it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's powerful. I mean, you can get your idea off the ground much faster than anyone else. I think AI is going to open the door for entrepreneurs all over the world that, uh, would have never been able to do it before because there's so many things that we as entrepreneurs lack, um, that we, you know, this, uh, there's a certain class of us that just step out and do it anyway, knowing yeah. we're lacking things, right? <laughs> yes. There's a, <laughs> I, I tell on that, I, I tell people, if you can't succeed with nothing, you won't succeed with everything. That's right. Yeah. And, and you can't get to one without the other. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, there's a certain class of people that will step out and do it anyway, but there's a certain class of people that are just stuck because they're afraid they're going to run across a problem they don't know how to solve. And I really think that AI is going to bridge that gap to allow executive coaching to people that can't afford executive coaching. Absolutely. And like I said, to kind of piggyback on that, like occasionally I'll get people come to me and say, hey, you know, like they've never done a video in their life and they want to be YouTube famous or they want right. to, you know, make a career on YouTube. And they're like, what gear do I need to buy? What microphones, what cameras do I need to buy? And I'm like, look, your iPhone, you, you have a phone. Yeah. If if people for, you know, 100 years have been succeeding in this industry with nothing yeah. and you have a 4k camera in your pocket right if you can't start there and succeed you're wasting your money on buying you know spending ten thousand dollars out the gate yeah. you know it's not about the tools it's about your personality and people liking you and consistency and just content it's the scrappiness right the I mean, scrappiness like you yes. have to be able to bring things together because you are never going to have something you're never going to have the best right you're oh, going yeah. to have something good um, but there's always going to be someone that has, you know, quote unquote, gooder, right? Yeah. You know, there's always <laughs> going to be that person out there that has the better thing. Yep. And you can't think that you're, you're failing just because someone has more you know, or different, right? Yep. You, you got to take ownership yeah. of your problems. Absolutely. At one point I wanted to make too about this, like even this podcast is people like to your thing is your fear. You hear a lot of people say, oh, this, this is going to eliminate jobs. Well, this podcast, it's not like I have. I don't make money on this podcast. This is just something that I do because I love to, do, love to do it. I don't have a massive budget set aside just to produce this podcast. So it's not, if it wasn't for this technology, it's not like I'm not hiring a writer right. or hiring a graphic designer. It's just, it's the podcast simply wouldn't exist. How many more things are going to exist just because it's easier to make it now? Yes. That, and, that benefit humanity. Yeah. So it's not like there's a writer and a graphic designer just sitting somewhere that I'm not hiring because I don't want to. I would much rather have hired a graphic designer. I would much rather have an actual writer skilled writer on my staff but until that happens i want to make i want to be producing this podcast sure. you know it's not that i'm actively choosing one versus the other it's just this is affordable this is a, attainable and it, it allows me to produce now rather than letting five years go by or whatever for something that's not my primary this is like a tertiary at best right. endeavor well um, let's let's talk a little bit about the practicality of ai too because um, i think there's going to be a lot of people listening that this may be their first introduction into people using AI in a practical sense and how can people get started in it because this is something that we are looking at as a company 
of how to um, become more efficient. What are those elements that we can be, become more efficient? So I've started looking at all the work that I do through the lens of how can AI replace or augment what I'm doing? How can it add to it? And utilizing ChatGPT, I type in, I type in questions to ChatGPT all the time. I have it on my phone and if I know the answer, it doesn't matter. I still ask ChatGPT what it thinks because I want to see what it's what it's thinking more or less, <laughs> what it spits out, yeah. um, what additional context it has around that. And so we can have deep conversations about things. And so I think, you know, for the users that may be interested in getting started, you don't have to go out and create the AI model that competes with ChatGPT or Google Bard or whoever else is out there making AI models. Those cost millions of dollars to even, um, even like compile into something that you can use. Uh, let alone the creation of those things. The market is, how do I make what I do 10% better, right? 50% better than 100% better, right? And then you can start looking at automation around that. And I think the market is going to start building around tools that interact with AI versus people I think there's real money in creating artificial intelligence, but I think the real opportunity for the layman, uh, like myself, is going to be how do I integrate into the AI that's already there? And yeah. how do I utilize what's available out there to create tool sets yeah. with the AI that exists? Yeah. So if people are looking at getting started, I, I would say start there. Try to, try to get going on using AI for yourself conversationally yeah and then build upon that and i think it's just fast it's fascinating that we're getting if not already there we're getting to a place where really the only thing standing in the way of someone from creating content or developing or what it, whatever the case may be starting a business is really just the only limitation is your imagination yeah. and your creativity your your um your spunk your drive. Yes. You, we're getting there's fewer and your communication skills with a computer. Yes. <laughs> can you talk yes. to a computer? Can you talk to a computer? <laughs> Absolutely. So and I just and I'm a lot of people may be intimidated by that, but I'm very inspired by it. I'm in mo I'm moved by it because Well, okay, so imagine imagine anyone having um, you know, hitting a blocker with this. Like they're like, Oh well I can't talk to AI because I don't know how. Well guess what? Your first question is how do I talk to AI? There there you go. Any blocker you hit, yep. just ask AI how to handle this. Yeah. And see what it says. It'll start inspiring you and creating those questions that you should ask. There's so many times that I ask AI, like, I don't know how to phrase this, but I'm dealing with this problem. What should I give you so that you can do your job better? And it'll say, well, I need X, Y, and Z. And then I go find X, Y, and Z and come back to it and give it the numbers or data, whatever it's asking for, mm -hmm. so that it can formulate a response better. Yeah. You know, in the practical sense of like, you don't even need to start there. There's things that we do throughout our entire day that we need AI for, you know, take, for example, writing emails. I get these emails all the time that I have to formulate a huge, long response for. I just feed it AI. I yep. ask ChatGPT, I'm like, this is what the customer said. I want to hit these points in my response. Make sure you're biased towards selling them on, you know, this type of product. Da -da 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 -da. It yep. comes back with all this uh, copy that I can use and clean up a little bit and then send it on and I get to move on with my day. I actually just helped a friend with a, we're trying to find, is Winston, is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Yeah, I got my dog out here swimming around the boat, so I check on him every now and again. You see him? Yeah, he's got a life jacket on, bright orange. Okay, good. off the starboard side. That's and that's taking and, laps. And that's what I love about the, the digress for a second. I just I say this every time. This is why I love this podcast. We're just in the middle of recording. Like, where's my dog? You know, and you just don't get that in other podcasts that I've seen. But um, 
Um, but like, and, and what was the you, what was the point you just made? You were talking about because that got me off track a little bit. But what were you were talking about? Prompting AI to help you interact with AI was kind of the main. Point. Okay, I had I had a point I was going to make that uh, it'll it'll find me again. That's okay. That's we're off the cuff. That's what I love about this show. It doesn't matter. Probably if it wasn't if it was more important. I would have remembered it. <laughs> so maybe better that I forgot. You just saved your listeners a lot of time. Yeah, or myself in editing. Or by, how about that? <laughs> so, but okay. Well, let's. Oh, I, th- I want to. There's so much about AI mm-hmm. that we could literally talk about because I I have kept a finger on the pulse, semi passively, semi actively about AI and just especially how it's being used in the art world. Let's put a pause on the AI and honestly, even have you back on. I know you were talking about another variation of the podcast you wanted to do let's have another episode where we just talk about ai because we could easily talk an hour about and i I know it's a really hot topic yeah you know i would need to shorten it to get to an hour yeah so i would i could just sit here and go on and on about ai um but let's let's pause on the ai conversation and we'll pick it up another date but before we let's back up a little bit to kind of how you got into I know I mentioned it web development and coding was how you cut your teeth computer science or you know custom building computers at an early age relatively early age yeah um, so what was that like growing up and you know finding yourself because I can relate to you because I I've been doing I found video at fourteen right and I've been doing it ever since so we have a similar we can relate to each other in that regard as finding what we love so early and right. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you find something that you love, you apply so much more effort towards learning that craft. And that's where I always disagreed with my schooling, um, just learning about these topics that I didn't really care about or didn't feel like I would utilize was a challenge for me. And, you know, that's what inspired me to leave my senior year of high school. Um, I think it was halfway through my sophomore year I left. So I had two years where I did homeschool and I would work full time doing the stuff that I love. And then do school on nights and weekends online. And uh, that was just so much more conducive to my learning style. So I'm not classically trained, if you will, on any of this computer science stuff. This is all school of hard knocks and just a passion for the topic. Um, I'm willing to go out there and read, read, read until I really understand it. And my wife gives me a hard time about it from time to time because I'm always looking up this. Here's an example. Just the other day. I heard um, about how lucrative it could be to um, 3D print um, custom um, hearing aids. And so I couldn't get my mind off of it. I can't get my mind off of it when I hear something interesting like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing a ton of research and reading up on it. Um, so it, I have an insatiable appetite for uh, knowledge and learning about entrepreneurial things. Yep. And, you know, I may never get into the 3D printing uh, world of uh, hearing aids, or it may be a super lucrative opportunity that I start looking at next. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I'm not going to let the topic go until I understand everything about it. Yeah. And so I latch on to these topics and, and really go deep. Um, you know, for when I was when I was younger, it had to do a lot with programming and making websites and the internet really intrigued me. And I remember MySpace and they gave you the opportunity to, you know, create your own CSS to make the you make your page your own, your own colors and background and all that stuff. And everyone had the ugliest MySpace page ever. Well, and CSS is just code for specifically for style. Yeah. Like, so it's like, yeah. It's a style, a cascading style sheet is what CSS stands for. It's just markup for how the browser should render your HTML so that it looks beautiful or, or ugly as the programmer may <laughs> That's true. Uh, desire. But, um, 
you know, that, that was the foray into MySpace of programming that. And then I started wondering, okay, well, how does MySpace um, create these pages unique to each individual person, right? Like, are they, is there someone on the other side of this product that when someone creates an account that they are just coding it live? You know, that's what I originally thought, right? Just very nascent in this space. And I realized, uh, you know, that, that digging deeper into how that works, I learned, you know, MySpace is written with PHP and that's a backend programming language and it interacts with a database. So they create what a page should look like once and that's connected to a database so that it can uniquely display for every user accessing that type of page. I'm like, well, that's interesting. That's a really cool economic scale. Uh, so I just started learning that path and wanting to go down, okay, well, now we need to learn database technologies. Well, now I want to get back into the front end and make it even cooler. And how's and jQuery was coming out then, which is like a JavaScript framework. And um, it, it just technology is moving so quick. I just kept adopting the new things and learning, learning, learning until, you know, I think there's a, there's a growth path with, um, with web development that I've noticed that it's just kind of plateaued a little bit, right? There's just not a lot of innovation happening on the web world. The internet works exactly how it worked when you and I were using it as kids. It's just we've gotten better at designing for it or programming for it. And so there hasn't been these huge breakthrough moments that have been created. Everyone kind of iterates on what's already there with frameworks and whatnot. Um, and so I found I found the product set I like to work with, my development stack, right? It's PHP with the Laravel framework, with a MySQL database, with a Redis server, with a, you know, Blade front end or Vue.js if you need to go with JavaScript. And so um, all my projects kind of feel the same. You can step into any of them and be able to program on them because my stack's the same of all of them. And, you know, standing up servers feels the same way. So all these things are just kind of in place, locked in stone for us now. And uh, that affords us the opportunity to look at innovation in other ways like AI, what we were talking about earlier, you know, if you want to look at how the internet has actually moved forward in our time period, it's not necessarily on web 3.0, which is the internet that you and I work with right now to get on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, but Bitcoin, right. Or all the cryptocurrencies that come out, that's where the innovations have been in the last several years uh, to try to figure out what's next for the internet. Yeah. How do we redefine what the internet is? Yeah, I mean, we're in a wild, I mean, truly, a wild, wild west in the digital age, yeah. you know, and it's it's, a nut, it's nuts when, you know, when you sit back and just kind of do a little bit of reading, a little bit of digging, and just how truly l- little we know about the potential of, of really everything that's going on, especially, you know, AI, but then the blockchain and Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and it's like, it's all being quite sort of, laws are being sort of, and rules and, you know, ethics are being sort of formulated in real time mm-hmm. you know which is i find it i mean again some people find it very um threatening i find it again very i just i but i think that depends i, I find it very inspiring exciting interesting i think that just depends on your mindset i'm just always been a glass half full kind of guy well there's that and there's also the component that um you know as a believer i believe that you know we live in a broken world everything that man creates um I believe most things that are created are created with the best intentions. People want to create good. Um, but being in a broken world, there is going to be the opportunity for that to be twisted into something awful. And it will eventually be twisted into something awful. And so our goal as believers in this space is to further the good. 
right? And look for those opportunities to be do-gooders in uh, uh, this system that's going to constantly try to go towards the broken, right? Yeah. Well, and I love what you said, like like you said, because I can relate to heavily, like when you were talking about School of Hard Knocks, because I did, I mean, I did go to school for what I do, but I only was there, it was a two-year program, and really, I only equate maybe five percent of what i know from what i gained in those two years i went to film school or video school for the really the main uh just to kind of understand industry technology more understanding how the industry works networking that kind of thing yeah but really so much of it is youtube university and just Absolutely. having visions and ideas and well that being was hungry. exactly what i ran into when i was evaluating colleges it's like it seemed the lowest hanging fruit was computer science for me and um, I was already making money. Like they wanted to set me up for a career doing what I was already doing and making, right? And so like, why would I stop now? Why not just continue moving forward? Um, and the curriculum did not, there, it takes so long to get accreditation that they're always behind, right? And with how fast technology was moving at that point, like it was three years behind what I would need coming out of the workforce anyway. Yeah. I was looking at the curriculum as a programmer knowing well, that's not going to set me up for success. Um, so I just opted not to. And the only thing that, uh, you know, I ever considered um, now that I'm like four years or five years into owning my own business, um, you know, a few years into that, that imposter syndrome sets in. Like, how do I get this thing to the next level? Am I actually prepared to do that? And uh, I considered doing an MBA program, looked at the curriculum for that and everything that they were teaching are things that I've just had to learn the hard way. And for the three topics that maybe would have helped me, I can go to, like you said, YouTube University and figure it out myself. Yeah. Well, and the impo it's so funny you say imposter syndrome because I deal with that. Anyone, I feel like anybody who cares about what they do truly cares about what they do and has to innovate, has to be creative, like with editing weddings for me, like, you know, you know, just anything. I mean, networking, you know, coming up with new services. It's I deal with that all the time. Like that is something I have to constantly fight is this imposter syndrome. And for people that don't know what imposter syndrome is, it's basically where you you don't feel worthy to be where you are or you don't or you feel like people's your reputation is you know higher than what you believe your actual abilities are and most of the time it's just not true um it's just that you care about what you do so much and that your people's once you do one good thing and one good thing and you you blow somebody's mind with a wedding video or you build a website that rocks a, an entire company from the ground up and they're just like blown away by it you're like okay I'm human, so now I, I got to do this again. I got to keep doing this. I got to keep innovating, and it's a, it can be all-consuming. This sort of this pressure. Yeah, I mean, when you're good at what you do or you have a passion for it, you're going to look to people for inspiration and see people that are further down the road than you are, and desire to be there, have something to work towards. It's it would be lonely at the top. I'd rather be uh, somewhere in the middle where I can you know, draw inspiration from others and see where they're going versus, you know, being the guy that leads the way with <laughs> technology and innovation. Like there needs to be someone leading that charge yeah. more than me, but we never want to be the smartest person in the room. No, I don't, I don't no. want to be that guy. Mm -mm. You know, you find that inspiration and then it's intimidating when other people look to you for inspiration. <laughs> yes. So and I've actually started doing a mentorship. I've developed a, a mentorship network that I've been working with college students and 
in the future, potentially uh, some high school students as well. Really anybody that don't have to be a student, but just anyone that's looking to, you know, learn more about video, learn more about what I do. And, you know, like the video editing side, the camera side, the just marketing for project management, for producing side. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. But, you know, these folks kind of look at me, look up to me in that regard. So that can be very intimidating, but I enjoy it. I'm like, you have to. You have to take all that. You have to take that pressure and just be able to tame it because it is a wild beast sometimes. And, um, you know, is that? Oh, there he is. I was looking over there. <laughs> I saw wit. I was, look I was looking. To, I can see it in his face. My dog just swam to shore uh, to take a break. And all of a sudden he realizes there are kayakers coming up on our boat. And he's debating whether to come save me. Or uh, just let me fend for myself. I can see it in his face. Yeah, he we have chosen to let me fend for myself. Yeah, we have three kayakers. For, well, and through the glass, I'm looking through the glass, and all I could see was the dog's, was Winston's life vest. It looked like his life vest had come off and was just sitting on the shore. I was like, where's he to go? And then I look up, and he's actually he's still, he's still, he's still, he's still over there. But, um, but yeah, man, so we're getting close to time. We're about 45 minutes in. So just wanted to kind of shift to this sort of third. I mean, with you, I know li literally we're going to have to have another episode because there's so much with every, every one of these topics I want to, I want to keep diving deeper into. Um, but the third topic I wanted to, and you touched on it briefly is just Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. I know that's a big, 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 especially, I mean, has it kind of died down a little bit in the buzz? Like it's not, it doesn't seem as buzzworthy as it was three years ago, but it's still very popular and still people have questions about it. And it's a very hard thing to understand. And I'm, I mean, I typically pick up on technology and learn new things really quickly, yeah. but it is hard for me to, to wrap. I mean, I went to a one hour little seminar you had about it and I kind of got it, but it is, it is difficult to wrap your head around. Yeah. I mean, I think Bitcoin as a concept in itself isn't terribly difficult for people to understand if they understand how the U.S. dollar works. Um, and then the, they're also getting a crash course right now into the problems of the U.S. dollar that we haven't seen as much in the past. I mean, inflation's out of control. You know, they're printing money left and right. And these are problems that Bitcoin don't have. And so, um, you know, people are looking two solutions for that. And I think they understand the value that Bitcoin brings. And the reason the problem doesn't exist for Bitcoin is that it is algorithmically defined. It is not defined by a set of rules uh, that get voted on every year by Congress, right? It is. It has been defined from the beginning, and that is how Bitcoin will work. And there is a finite number of Bitcoins that will ever be printed, right? There will be an end date to that. Um, I believe the, the year for that is in the 2100s, so probably when you and I are long gone at that point, right? Um, Unless these scientific advancements, we become immortal, right? <laughs> you know, but that's another conversation. Another conversation for another day. So um, when you understand the rules of Bitcoin, you realize that it's a pretty solid currency to base value off of and the opinions of what we would call Bitcoin maximalists. Yeah. These are people that are all in on Bitcoin. They're all in on uh, Bitcoin over any other uh, uh, other crypto. And I think there's a lot to be said to that, um, especially right now. Um, I think crypto was a bubble for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone that created a coin and shilled that coin online and it became a security and they're starting to get in trouble. And, you know, they collected all the money from the people and, and left the project. And hey, there's a lot of bad actors in that field. And... Um, 
not a lot of technology advancement. I think the biggest thing Bitcoin had, not Bitcoin, but cryptocurrencies had against it, and Bitcoin as well, is the, um, you know, technological um, aptitude you have to have to adopt it, right? A lot of these cryptocurrencies are very difficult to get into the ecosystem. How do you get a dollar to become this digital coin of sorts, right? And that just will not work at scale. People will not learn technology. Um, there's a whole group of people that just would never adopt it. And there is a huge fear when it has to do with not just losing your password to Twitter, but losing your quote unquote password to your digital wallet where you can no longer access your money. It's out there, but you'll never be able to use it because you lost your password. Well, and before you continue, I, that's one of the one of the two things I didn't understand. And the, the password part, I was like, well, if you you could have ten million dollars in your Bitcoin wallet, as it were, and what I've real and I used to think because I heard a story of a guy who had like three million dollars and lost his password and couldn't access it, and I'm thinking, man, if I you know had three million dollars, it might have been more, it might have been ten million, I don't know, and I was like, man, if I had that much money, you could. Why couldn't you just pay somebody like $3 million to develop or get in and hack the system? And then once I, you know, even just with your hour-long seminar, I realized that it's it's a 12-word, correct? It's, 12, it's just 12 random words. Right. Yeah. And you ha and do you have to remember them in that order? Or is it yeah. just, so you have to, it's a sequence of 12 words that you have to remember in that order. And there is literally no way to access your your funds if you do not know those 12 words in that order and there's no way to hack it, there's no way to recover your password, nothing. Yeah, I mean, um, I think the misconception, they call it cold storage and, and hot storage, right? Your hot storage is if you kept your money on something like Coinbase. You can trade that freely, but if Coinbase goes out of business, which we saw a lot of these exchanges do, um, Coinbase has seemed to uh, weather the storm, but um, if they go out of business, they own your coin. They are the holders. They have it in their cold storage. Um, whereas if you have it in your cold storage, you hold the keys to that coin, right? And so um, I think, you know, the hard thing for people to wrap their heads around is thinking that their uh, coin actually lives on this little device, that little computer or whatever. Like your coin doesn't live there. It lives in the cloud. Your key is that device. And so if you lose that device, you need to be able to create a new key that looks just like it. Right? It's no different than going to Home Depot and getting your, your house key remade, right? Well, if you don't have that original, then you can't make the new one. You just got to replace the locks. Well, your locks are your funds. Well, your funds are gone, yeah. right? And so you got to keep that original key somewhere. And that original key uh, happens to be a series of words that are completely unique to your wallet and your um, Bitcoin. And it needs to be kept safely somewhere. Yeah. And these words don't, they don't form a sentence or anything like that. It's like chimpanzee, coffee, latte, uh, anchor, right. just completely random, yep. completely random, which I, that was one of the most interesting and profound things for me when I first started hearing about it. Then the, th the main thing about Bitcoin that I even still have a hard time wrapping my head around is the mining process yeah. and how that works. Cause that's like, how the blockchain works, I, I was able to pick up that pretty quick, but it's the mining process. What do you have to say about that? that and explain it to me and the listener. I'm going to do a Michael Scott moment from the office. Explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then explain it to me like I'm three. Um, <laughs> and then all right. Just give up. <laughs> so all the transactions on a blockchain happen in what is called a block. 
and the blockchain are a chain of blocks, right? In order for a block to be admitted onto the blockchain, it has to be um, signed, right? This would be no different than you signing your check to say, I want to move funds, right? But uh, the blockchain requires a signature that not just one person can sign, right? And so the whole thing where crypto comes from is that it's cryptographically signed. It's a combination of all the values of everything in that blockchain being added together. Um, so if you think about a block as just a series of transactions that have a transaction ID, you know, your check number, if you will, um, to represent that transaction, as soon as that transaction is made, it gets entered into a pool of transactions that need to be confirmed. Right. And so Bitcoin uh, miners are looking at that confirmation, those those um, entries that need to be confirmed and they're building a block off of them. So they're adding all this information together into a, a set of data. And what they're doing is they're um, trying to solve the equation. Right. So adding all those together and running them through a cryptographic number, more or less to say, all right, all this multiplied by this number over here, what's the value of that? And then giving it to the blockchain and the blockchain says, that is the value that would sign this or no, it's not. And so everyone's throwing different, that multiplier is throwing that different multiplier at it more or less, right? This is an oversimplification, but they're multiplying it by different amounts. All these miners, one of these miners is going to solve it, right? A single miner is going to solve it. They're going to tell the, the, uh, the blockchain, the right value and the blockchain will reward them for their work and say great right now i think it's either for we're, we're, we're approaching the having which is where the blockchain rewards it at half the amount mm -hmm. but this is how this is how new coins gets introduced to the uh, economy every 15 minutes a block gets written mm -hmm. and you know however many i think we're either on eight or four bitcoin get released into the blockchain to whoever solved it now they own that eight bitcoin and they can do what they want with it interesting so, okay these miners what they do is they pool together their resources so if i have one miner trying to solve this the likelihood of me doing that is pretty low right because there's a million of them out there trying to do it if I have two miners, my odds go up. If I have 100 miners, my odds go up, right? I have 100 different miners trying to get this equation solved. Well, they pool resources. So there's uh, these websites that all the miners can um, uh, basically subscribe to and participate in solving the equation. And so the pool wins it and they split the rewards. And so instead of winning one every four years, <laughs> which is probably your odds if you're going at it alone, yeah, you would win one uh you know uh maybe half of a bitcoin a day or something like that depending on the size of the pool and how many they solve because you're sharing the resources with everyone so that, okay that definitely helps again i think i'm just gonna have to sit down one day and just watch like a three-hour video on youtube or something about going back to youtube because i think it's hard to i think unless you sit down and watch it or see more of a visual it's hard to understand but that that definitely helps a lot so and i think and i'm gonna i want to get this another thing out I, I feel like we could have a whole conversation on each of these three topics yeah, we'll and have to do that as a video so i can whiteboard concepts let's do it i mean seriously like and i'd even love to get your friend hal in yeah and let's let's have a conversation video podcast or something where we talk about bitcoin because each of these things these three main topics we've hit on I want to come back. We could hit, we could do full episodes on this. Oh, yeah. But before we get to our recommendations, and we're getting close to time, we're 
pretty much towards the end. There's a couple things I want to do to wrap it up. I know, you know, because as much as I would love to sit out here all day, it was just hilarious because I was I heard some scratching to my right, and Mr. Winston, the um, the skipper Winston, as we'll call him, was trying to get up back into the boat. So I'm going to stand up. Where is he? He's just on the side. Oh, he's just on the side. He's fine. So I want to do. I want to, to prove to the audience, and I'm going to turn on my GoPro before we get to our recommendations to close it out. I'm going to turn my GoPro on, and I want people to see where we are. And if you go onto our Instagram stories, I'm going to post this video up, um, and I'm going to start recording now. Okay, so I'm recording video. This is in, We're actually live in the podcast, and I'm here with Mr. Braden Keith. Hello, everybody. The captain, as I was corrected earlier. <laughs> and, uh, and and you can call me Dr. Wiggins, by the way. I don't have any official training, but I, uh, you know, I woke up this morning. And I just, I wanted to be called doctor. So, Slept captain. a holiday in. Yeah, you know what that is. I, you know, uh, my signature is sloppy enough to be a, that of a doctor. So, I think that works, right? Yeah. So, Dr. Wiggins, we have Captain Braden Keith. We've got the skipper, Winston, over here. You can kind of see him. Let's get him back in the boat if we can. I want to. I want to rev the engine. He's gonna shake all over you. That's okay. That's okay. So I want to. Again, I'm gonna have this video on our Instagram story synced up with the audio. I love it. So I want to prove to the audience we're in a boat. Obviously, they can see we're in a boat. But give me some engine revving. I'm really. We gotta get the anchor up. Go ahead and get the anchor up, and we'll. This is awesome, Mr. Winston. How's it going, buddy? How's it going, buddy? Mr. Winston. Oh, he's so sweet. So, our faithful captain pulling up the anchor as we speak. Winston's shaking it off. I love it, man. I recommended this GoPro a couple episodes, or um, I'm not exactly sure what order it'll re release, but I love this, this GoPro, man. It is just so... Super nice, 5.3K resolution, and it just makes anything look awesome. I love it. I love it. So we've got the anchor coming out now. He's putting the anchor back down into its cubby, as it were. I love it. So let's hear some engine roaring, man. And I know you said you had, you got some speakers in here. Oh yeah. Play us some music. Get us some tunes going. I want to hear what this is. I want to hear what this sounds like. I love it. Ed Sheeran just came to uh, Atlanta I was, this weekend, so here we go. Hey, I saw this concert. I was there. Yeah. We also bought, we loved it so much, we're going to see him in Nashville in July. Really? We, this concert rocked my world, man. I heard great things. It rocked my, it, it, my socks blew off so hard, I think it hurt him. <laughs> like it hit him in the eye, one of my socks. All right, you want a uh, engine rev? Give me some engine revving, man. We're off the cuff. We're gonna, there we go, baby. That's what I like to see. That's what I like to see. We got the wake. We got a wake behind us. We got Winston. We got his hair blowing. That's what I like to see, baby. Woo! Can I see how, how beautiful it is out here? Yeah, I'm gonna try to stand up a little bit if I can without. Yes, yeah, so absolutely gorgeous. 
And some people when out people here ask house me, why do you, people ask me, why do you wake up in the morning? This is one of the biggest reasons. Moments like these, my to friend. To get on my boat? Well, hey, I'll... <laughs> Because that's the reason I wake up in the morning too. <laughs> Im implicitly, implicitly, yes, to get on your boat and other moments like this. But man, Ed Sheeran, speaking about, I know this is completely off topic, but that concert seriously, seriously good, huh? moved me. So, so it was amazing, absolutely amazing. So, so there you have it, everybody. I'm, I'm trying to stand, stay standing. We got our friend Winston here, loving some some sunshine. And do we have something I can get some like an oar or something I could ru ruffle some. Anything I can stick in the water? Yeah. An I want to. Yeah, just something. I want to hear some. I want to hear some paddling. Some paddling. I want to hear some like. That's wanna, what. That's how you know things went wrong. I want to hear paddling. The, I know. I want to hear the water, man. I want to hear some. I want to. I want to disturb some water. Shake up some water. But yeah, we bought tickets. Literally, I told my mom because she loves them as much as I do. And I said. We're, he's in Nashville in July. Let's just buy tickets and go. That's awesome. So we're literally going to see it again. It was that amazing. So I like this. It's an extendable oar, basically. Yeah. Okay. So we got Winston. And again, please, I'm going to be posting this on our socials. So this is a awesome. So he goes after water splashes. Okay. Watch this. Oh, he doesn't know how to jump off here. Here, try the back. There we go. Good boy, Winston. I love it. That is awesome. Okay, I'm going to extend the video. I'm gonna extend the pole. This is a 10 foot pole. I'm not gonna extend it all the way, but where you go, Winston? Up here. Let's see where he went. Oh, there he is. I'm gonna try to get the water. And I love another thing about the GoPro, it's fully waterproof, so I can just throw it in the water with them. Oh yeah, and you can get it where it has a, a floating attachment. Winston, come here, Bubba. Come here, Winston. GoPro is literally in the water beside a swimming dog, our skipper, <laughs> Winston. Old skipper. All right, I'm gonna, he's coming in for a glamour shot. There he is. Man, awesome. Well, thank you so much for this, Captain Braden Key. Absolutely. I'm gonna pull down the GoPro now. So as I promised, to wrap up the show, we always have, we're right at an hour, so we're good. I wanna close out with our recommendations. So yeah. what do you have for us? And to, the, to those of you watching the video on social media, the video portion signing off off the cuff adios adieu um here's my recommendation here's something that took me years to learn and that's that um we as mainly speaking to entrepreneurs but it applies to everyone we got to take care of ourselves this is something that i learned over the last several years always thinking that I would eventually find the time to work out or things would slow down enough for me to take care of myself um, at work and whatnot. I'd always prioritize work over myself. 
And I flipped the script on that last year and said, uh, no matter what else happens, I'm going to focus on myself this year. I'm just going to focus on my own health. And the benefits of that have been huge. It, it takes a complete mind shift because you feel like you are, you know, cutting short the one thing that you've been working so hard to build value in, right? And um, you know what? It just hasn't impacted my business as much as I thought it would, right? Taking care of myself has helped because I'm in a better frame of mind. I'm, my longevity has extended, right? Like I'm living longer and um, I feel stronger. I feel better. I feel healthier. I don't have these headaches that take me out for the day, you know, that kind of stuff. So go work out, get plenty of sleep, eat right, and most of your problems are going to be solved. Absolutely. And and I don't, and this is, I know you're a dad, I don't have any kids yet, but I'll, oftentimes I think, you know, we're just family or life balance and, you know, work-life balance. I think, how do you become a better father? How do you become a better friend? I think so much, so many times the answer is just figure out how to be happier, mm-hmm. you know, be healthier, be happier, um, focus on your mental health, your internal balance, mm-hmm. and then your relationships are going to just be better. You know, maybe maybe you have a corporate job and you, you make $150,000 a year, but you're miserable and you have, you know, three kids at home that want to spend time with their dad and just have a better relationship with their dad. Well, adjust your lifestyle. You know, right. maybe maybe that means cutting salary. Maybe that means, you know, changing your career or what what have you. But I think a lot, a lot of the times people pri- prioritize their job, their career over that because they think that money is what their family wants or needs. But in reality, they just need. I think in that instance, I mean, there's a whole bunch of psychology to unpack there. It's, uh, you know, this idea that a man's value comes from what they create for their family and what they make when a lot of times the family just needs them there. And I think that's a case of mistaken identity. Their identity is in their work and in their salary or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I go back to being a believer. My identity is in Christ and that's where my value comes from. And absolutely money is secondary to that. Very, very true. And, you know, I can relate to that myself as well, my friend. So very good. I love that recommendation. A lot of, a lot of something to chew on there for sure. I, my recommendation's not quite as, um, spiritual or psychological, but it, it gets, it gets a lot of, it gets the job done though. And that is my recommendation is the Roomba. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we finish this thought. Keep going. Roomba robotic vacuum cleaner. <laughs> So it's a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. No, those feel very closely related to me. Um, I don't know how, but we'll find it. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, do you, so, but I, so yes, and actually it was a housewarming gift from one of my friends. It was a, he gave me his old one. It was like 600 bucks. So it's a bit pricier, but definitely try to get a used one or something on eBay. But man, these things are awesome. You can set schedules for them. Like you can have it. I have it every Wednesday and every Sunday. It just goes at 11 o'clock and just vacuums my whole house. Like I'm done. I get finished cleaning in the kitchen. I can just, I have a Siri command where I can just say, right. you know, hey, she who must not be named because we'll trigger her. But hey, right. she who must not be named, clean the kitchen. And then the Roomba gets up yeah, and just goes good. and cleans the kitchen. It can clean around the couch. Um, it's you just don't been, even have kids and I'm sure that's helpful. Yeah. You know. And it, well, and I'm just a technology. I just it's a, that's kind of my hobby. People say, "What's your hobby?" I let my job's my hobby, but my other hobby is just having cool, quirky technology. Yeah, like smart home stuff. I, I just the love it. Shark brand makes a Roomba version. I okay, think that's what we have at our house. We had a Roomba for a little bit. I okay, think we switched brands. I've been happy with it. I probably this one. I will say, you know, I, I could see 
potentially wanted to try another one, but just general, just in general, robot vacuums, yep. try different brands, but I've, but I try to put things on there that I use daily or people could actually potentially purchase or, you know, make part of their life. But, um, but yeah, well, very cool, man. Any, any closing thoughts or, you know, I know for me personally, I just want to say thank you again for having me out here today on this beautiful, beautiful day. We actually had, we were, were scheduled to record a couple of weeks ago, got postponed because of the weather. I'm like, no, we're, we're not going to pass this up. We wanted to record. It was your idea to record on the boat. And I'm so thankful you did because this has been so much fun and just wouldn't have passed up for anything in the world, my friend. I'm glad to have you. Next time uh, you'll have to dress in a bathing suit and we'll make a day out of it. And I'll be better about scheduling my day. Like I'm going to make a day out of it and just, I'll, I'm going, I'm having my, my metaphor, my metaphorical closed open sign is going to be switched around when we do this podcast next time. But we have many more conversations to have and I'm not joking. We will uh, definitely get you back on and maybe bring on some other people in your network and talk about some of these other topics in more detail. But thank you again so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.